Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 5, Term 1. This is Lesson 2. We're going to continue where we left off in Chapter 17 and on page 3. In relation to Jesus choosing 12 apostles, Hendrickson says that the very fact that Jesus appointed exactly 12 men, no more, no less, indicated that he had in mind the new Israel. For ancient Israel had 12 tribes and 12 patriarchs. However, the new Israel was going to be gathered from among all the nations, Jews and Gentiles alike. I really like that. Amen? Amen. In fact, Jesus makes reference to this in Matthew chapter 8, following his encounter with the Roman centurion, who uh, was described as having great faith, remember? And just right in the middle of that, he starts this, and used to always puzzle me. But the Roman centurion represented all of us. He was not a Jew. Amen? He was a Gentile. And so, he looks at this man and recognizes what's coming. You know, that while the Jews have just had every opportunity, there are going to be people that are going to come from outside the Jewish nation that are going to walk in faith like they haven't seen. Isn't that amazing? Amen? And why he says in Matthew chapter 8, and verse 11, beginning in verse 11, he says, And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west. Eh, it covers both of us, right? <laughs> uh, again, referring to Gentile nations. And sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that beautiful? That it tells us that we're not going to be in a lesser position than the Jews. Can I get an amen on that? You know, because it always sounds like they're going to have the high positions and all of us Gentiles are going to be in, you know, the court of the Gentiles somewhere in heaven. <laughs> okay? There was no such thing. Amen. We're going to be able to sit with them. Hallelujah. And I think that's awesome. And it's very sad, the next verse. It says, but the sons of the kingdom, and it's referring to the Jews. See, like I said to you before, the word chosen can take on two different meanings. You can either be chosen and you know, set, set apart and, and special and everything, and you don't do anything, you know, because you're the chosen one. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, chosen to be waited on. But that wasn't the way they were chosen. They weren't chosen to be waited on, they were chosen to do a job. And because they didn't do the job they were chosen to do, they came with consequences. And here are the consequences. It says about the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, because they'll be so upset. Because they should have been up there. Now before moving on, there's one more thing we need to look at, that is mentioned in Luke um, chapter 6 and verse 13, and that is the difference between disciples and apostles. You all want to know the difference? Okay, alright. Uh, somebody nodded. Alright. <laughs> Notice that it said there again, when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them, from those disciples, he chose twelve whom he named apostles. Can you all see that? Okay, so there is a bit of a difference. All right? Some people use those interchangeably. Okay? Um, but in this case, there is actually a difference. And we'll have a quick look at that. Excuse me now. All right, the first thing we see here is that in order to be chosen to do anything, you must first qualify by being a disciple of the Lord, which is defined as those who had close personal fellowship with Him. <clears throat> okay. In addition to this, and I like this very, very much, 
John MacArthur says that generally, disciple means student. One who is being taught by another. All of you today here are disciples. Okay, good, okay. While apostle refers to qualified representatives who are sent on a mission. The two terms emphasize different aspects of the calling of the twelve. Let me just stop here for a minute. Let me just share something with you. See, a lot of times people look at the apostles, you know, and they think, well, you know, because Corinthians and and, um, Ephesians talks about, you know, first, Corinthians says first apostles, then prophets, and so on and so forth. Ephesians says, and then he gave some apostles, some prophets. They always begin with apostles and prophets, by the way. Okay, Uh, and then it continues on with its list. <clears throat> on to evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But the thing is that people look at the apostle and think, well, that's, that's, that's the, the, the head honcho, you know, the dude right at the top there. Do you know what I mean? Okay, and, and they always look at it from a hierarch- hierarchical point. But I want you to understand something. An apostle is someone who is sent. Now, the reason why a lot of times apostles are over churches is because they were sent and they went and started a church because they were sent to do that. Right. All right? And because they started it, obviously they're heading it. Is this, is, is this just logical? You know what I'm trying to say? And so what they do is generally they will train up pastors, they will train up teachers, they will train up people under them to get this church running. And what normally should happen is then the apostles should let loose of that church and place it in the pastor's hand and move on. Because his job is to go. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Okay. So, but what has happened, and, and you know, because I want to just deal with this very quickly, because we have this issue in the church at the moment. That people will, you know, turn up to a church and say, well, I've been called to be an apostle. And therefore, since you're a pastor and I've got the calling of an apostle on my life, then I'm over you. Are you with me? Can you see the error in that now? Just say, excuse me, if you were called to be an apostle, then you need to go start something. You didn't start this, it's already started. You missed the boat on this one. (laughs) Okay? Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, I'm giving you something here. I'm giving you gold, okay? You need to say, no, you're not the apostle of this church because you didn't start this church. See, in this church, because I began it, I have that title as well. I don't, you know, I don't want to flaunt it or anything, but that's just what I am. I'm just a person that started this church. So from that point of view, I've got an apostolic ministry in my life. Now people have prophesied over me and said that I'll be doing this, you know, starting churches and blah, 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 blah. I said as long as they don't call themselves for life. (laughs) I don't care. You know, seriously, man. You know, I just think there should be one of those. You know, Uh, it's it's the vision God gave me. Whatever, what I want to do is work out from with you what God wants to call your church. Because it will be awesome if you can find out what he actually wanted you to do. I'll train you, but it's up to you to then carry it. Okay? You, and, and, okay, anyway, that's the reason why I've been talking to you about those other things before. But you need to understand that an apostle is simply a sent one. Okay? Somebody that was sent. And those sent ones usually go and start works. And that's the reason why then sometimes they'll start about three or four different works, and then there'll be an apostle. That's why that apostolic title covers uh, their position in all of those churches. Because they can't be pastor to all of those churches. People that think they are, they're fooling themselves. Listen. There are some people that call themselves pastors that have like five churches. You can't. You are called to pastor one church. 
And even that's more than, you know, sometimes too much. You know what I'm trying to say? Amen. And the pastor needs to understand that if he's called as a pastor, then his responsibility is to the people that are in front of him. His responsibility is to bring people in, train them up as leaders and send them out. Do you know that's what a lot of pastors don't realize? That they can become, you know, go in a sense... Uh, get into that apostolic ministry by actually training people up and sending out other pastors. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? And so you become like a pastor of pastors. Amen? And as you do that, then you automatically walk into kind of an apostolic ministry because of what you're doing. But you're still not called an apostle because you're not, necessar- you're not actually going and starting those churches. You're just helping people that have giftings start the churches. Can you kind of see the difference there? Now, if I went out there and started another church, got it going, left it with a pastor, trained all the leadership up, then went off to another place, started a church, that's an apostolic ministry. But if I'm here and I'm teaching you and, and I have an apostolic gift on my life, all right, not only did I start this church, but I've got the gifting to train up leaders to go and start their own churches, then you can sort of see how these two things kind of overlap. Are, we, are you all with me? Okay. So I want you to get that clear in your mind so that you know there's n- never going to come a time when somebody, because I've seen this happening, family, I've seen people walk into a church and declare themselves an apostle and try to take over a work that somebody has started and you know, has been just blood, sweat and tears got it to a certain size, and this individual walks in and says, yes, but I'm an apostle, and I'm over you, so I'm, I'm taking charge of this thing, and just wrecked it. Because the pastor didn't know how to counteract that. But you won't be those people. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Okay. So again, I've said here, disciple means student. Can I go back there? One who is being taught by another, while apostle refers to qualified representatives who are sent on a mission. Now you get that, right? The two terms emphasize different aspects of the calling of the twelve. Are you all with me? Amen. In fact, the Spirit-filled Life Bible adds that the purpose of the appointment is that they might be with Him in order to learn from Him and then go out in divine power to extend His work. Okay, so that's where we begin. We begin as disciples. We always begin as disciples. We go under a ministry to learn, to, to grow, to be taught by someone. Amen? You begin as a disciple. And then when the person looks at you and says, you know what, I believe you're ready to go out there and do something. So I'm going to anoint you, I'm going to pray over you, and so on and so forth, and release you. Okay? And then, as it, this is only if you're called. Okay, I'm not going to do <laughs> Don't look nervous. Okay? Uh, I'm just hypothetically, hypothetically, okay? So everybody's going, oh my God, don't do that to us. We're not ready yet. Okay? No. <laughs> for, for that person, okay? So if I was to do that, if, if there was just somebody that was just, you know, just jumping up and down in his chair and going, I just need to go do something, you know, I mean, you know they're at that place in their life, and I release them, they will now go from being a disciple to an apostle. Are you all with me? Yeah. All right? And one of probably the best examples of how this is meant to work biblically is the relationship between the Apostle Paul and James. You know, James, the brother of Jesus that that was running the church in Jerusalem? Okay. The book of James is called the Proverbs of the New Testament. James was not a dumb person. He was basically Paul's equal. And it's really interesting when you actually read through the letters and you sort of actually see what's going on. You actually see there are times when Paul actually, the Apostle Paul, submits to James. And times when James does it the other way. Do you know why? Because that's how it's meant to be. 
We are to submit one to another. Amen? And when you find somebody you're equal, regardless of what their title is, because James is generally a pastor, okay? But I honestly believe that he had an apostolic calling on his life as well, so to speak, okay? But he was happy being a pastor. He was an awesome pastor, okay? Which is just awesome, all right? And so, when you're walking in the fullness of your gift, as far as God's concerned, there is no distinction. There is no that's first and that's second and that's third. And that's what God showed me at one point in time when we were coming back from uh, some meetings in Queensland. You know, we were on the aircraft as it was taking off. God started talking to me. And as it was just what, I still remember as, as the ground was getting further and further away from us, because I was asking questions. And he said, do you understand that all of these five ministry gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, are given by me. They are different parts of me. He said, which part of me is better than the other part of me? That was a question he asked me. I said, oh, I never thought about it like, you know, like that. He said, exactly. He said, anointed teacher can teach an apostle. Do you hear me? Just as an anointed evangelist can inspire an apostle. I've seen some evangelists that are just, wow. I mean, you know, you just... You just take your hat off, man. You know, they just do stuff that you just think, I would have never preached that scripture like that ever in my life and got everybody saved on it. And you just think, seriously, on that scripture? That's an evangelist. That's Jesus Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so it's, it's when I realized that I thought, you know what? We shouldn't be looking for titles, we should be looking for where we belong and be the best that we, be, that we can in that position. Amen? And then we'll become a blessing to the other gifts, to the other fivefold ministry gifts that need that. See, every one of the fivefold ministry needs the other ones ministering to them. Did you, did you get what I said? Yeah, the, more than that. The apostle needs the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and teacher to be ministering to him. As much as the pastor needs the apostle the prophet, the evangelist, and the teacher ministering to him or her. Okay, all right. They need each other's ministry in order to flourish. I didn't realize that for a long time because I, I, I realized at one point in time, sometimes, you know, if pastors hang around pastors, all they're going to get is pastors. They're not going to expand beyond the pastoral thinking. They need to hang around an evangelist, watch what an evangelist does, and even be in the congregation while the evangelist is ministering. And I'll guarantee you, if it is God, if God is speaking through that evangelist, the pastor will receive something. The pastor will walk off with something on him from that evangelist. Then he'll go, wow, I know, I know what I need to do. Boy, we'll just grow the church. <laughs> you know, because evangelists have a, you know, a habit of doing that. Okay? They just get people in, in droves. Don't know how to train them up. To save their life, but they'll bring him in. Well, that's the job of the pastor, you know what I'm trying to say? Okay. So, and that's what I realized, you know, that all the, the ministries, because they are Jesus Christ, get it? Because Jesus is in every one of those, we need all of them ministering to us. So when, when I sit and listen to an anointed teacher, whether I'm listening as, you know, from a pastoral gifting place, or an apostolic gifting place, I receive stuff. I just think, wow, that is awesome. I listen to an evangelist, and it, it just kind of lights up those different areas of my, of my ministry. I think that's really awesome, you know? And that's when, you know, when you recognize that 
is when you can actually minister with them, understanding not to get in their way. You do, and don't be threatened by them. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, they're going to do awesome, but so will you. Okay, let them be awesome. And then you get up and be awesome in the anointing that you've been called into. Amen? And then everybody would receive that five-fold ministry on that same level, and they'll just go home filled to the brim. Hallelujah. Amen? Okay, we're going to see that in a, in, a, in a little bit. If you look over the, the next page, actually has Ephesians chapter 4 and, and, and the list of all the, the gifts that I've been talking about. Anyway, back to this because we probably won't get to it anyway today. All right. <laughs> so, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Shouldn't have had the milk. All right. <laughs> now, one of the things that I want you to notice what the, the, the Spirit uh, Filled Life Bible actually says tongue twisted some of those ones. Uh, Remember again, he says, the purpose of appointment is that they might be with him in order to learn from him, then go out in divine power to extend his work. All of us should be the extension of Jesus Christ. Wherever we go, whatever we're doing. See, a lot of times, you know, there's this, there's this thought about you know, like like a minister and then the lay people. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, that is a demonic term. Can I just say that right now? Can you please receive this? I'll tell you why in a minute, okay? The term lay anything is demonic. There's no such thing as a lay anything. That is something that a religious person put out there to make them feel, feel, you know, make themselves feel important. I'm just telling you. Because as far as God is concerned, Jesus Christ made all of us kings and priests unto God. Now, where's the laity in that? Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. There's no such thing. What we see, what I see, what God sees, is all of us in Christ. What He sees is Jesus Christ in us, and therefore all of us are kings and priests unto God. Are you all here? And so any one of us can go out there and do anything that God wants to do through us that we allow Him to do. Some things work better because we're gifted. But can I just say this? Even if you're not gifted, He'll work through you to accomplish certain things because the person that's gifted didn't turn up. You get double duty, but you get double the, the reward. Amen. You work overtime, you get double pay, man. Okay? God makes sure you just get, oh, hallelujah. So don't complain because that'll wreck your reward. Just be happy and just do it. I've just learned that lesson in my life. Okay. All right. So you need to understand that God will move through you. And you need to also understand, regardless of whether you have the gift or not, there's no such thing as minister and laity. It doesn't exist. That is, again, a very demonic thought. And I want you to start thinking of yourselves from now on as people that have God's hand on your life, God's spirit in your heart. You are a new creation. And as far as God is concerned, you are a king and a priest. He doesn't have any queens, by the way. Okay? No, seriously? Okay? You, we are all kings and priests. So when you go to the throne room, male or female, you are a king. Are you all with me? So you have the same authority that Jesus Christ does when He goes in there. When you go in His name. That's where we go, in His name. Amen? Don't ever go in your name because yeah, that won't work. Okay. So, <clears throat> and as we do... Oh, that, that was a point I was <laughs> trying to get to. 
as we do walk in that, we'll find that His power will start working through us. One of the biggest lies that the devil has tried to sell on us, and this is why I was trying to say this difference between ministry and laity and stuff, is that he's trying to stop the body of Christ walking in the power that it was meant to walk in. Because the Bible never said, and these signs will follow the fivefold ministry. Hmm? It just said, if you believe, we don't care whether you're male or female, whatever color you are, we don't care about any of those things, we just care your, about your heart. Do you believe? If you believe, then things will have, start happening around you. And some ministers will get insecure, upset. Don't worry about it. I've taught you in Bible school. You know now. <laughs> okay? Just let it go. Just go, whatever. Okay, you got a problem, dude. Just deal with it. Okay? Because what God wants is, and we, we're going to see this. In fact, I'll be sharing this with you sometime in the Sunday services. That it tells us that a time was coming. This is the time, by the way. All right? That God will do work through people directly. And they won't, they, they won't need to go somewhere to find out. He will actually talk to them. And you know what? The power of God will start flowing through normal people to do extraordinary things. And so when you're at home and you're, you know, you're just doing the dishes and you hear one of your kids, they fall and something bad happens. You know, the, you hear that scream, you know what I'm saying? And you know that is a, that is a bad scream. Something horrific has happened. Instead of freaking out, this is what God wants us to get to. We go there and we say, in the name of Jesus, and bang, whatever's wrong is fixed. Wow. Think that'll make an impression on people? Oh, yeah. Okay. Amen. All right. And see, that's the thing. That's, that's why I'm trying to break this division between ministers and laity. Because it doesn't exist. Because God's going to look at you. And when you say, yeah, but the pastor, he goes, well, I don't know what you're talking about. As far as I'm concerned, you are a king and a priest. Now, <laughs> let's talk about you in those terms, shall we? Now, as a king and a priest, and you'll be going, oh, dear God. You know, I didn't know that. Nobody talked to that in my church. I went to the wrong church, okay, <laughs> all right, but not here. You guys are learning now. But you need to understand that you can walk in that power. And why, why God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of that knowledge. Because they don't know. So they don't exercise their faith. Be like the Roman centurion. That guy wasn't in ministry. He was a Roman centurion. I mean, that's as far from ministry as you can get, as far as I'm concerned. Dude was killing people. <laughs> okay? You know what I'm trying to say? Okay? But understand something. He was able to believe like no other Jew would. To get his servant healed. And Jesus, looking at him, didn't say, Oh, you know you should be in the ministry. Isn't it interesting you didn't say that? He looked at him and he, oh, the only thing he said is, I haven't found such great faith. Not in all of Israel. A Roman centurion. Wow. So, what does that mean for you? It's really good news. <laughs> okay? All of you have the ability, have the capacity to walk in the fullness of all the power of God in your life. If you allow it. And I'm praying today that you just allow it. Notice, I don't try 
just allow it. Let him do the work. Amen? I read somewhere, you know, our responsibility is to do what God says. His responsibility is to make it come pass. Amen? Amen. Ours is the doing, His is the miracle. <laughs> okay, don't get them mixed up. Don't you try to make a miracle happen. You just do what's called, what you're called to do. Just do the thing. God says, fill the water pots, fill the water pots. It's up to Him to turn it into wine. Amen? Amen. Okay, we're going to have to stop there because I'm out of time. I pray that you're getting something out of this. Um, hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, for all the things that we are receiving from this word. And Father, I thank you that it is freeing us. I pray, Father, that we no longer look at ourselves as just normal people with just normal lives. I thank you, God, that we begin to recognize who we are in Christ. And that, Father, as we recognize that, as we start to walk in the fullness of that revelation, there is a power that begins to be released in our life.